Good evening and happy Thanksgiving, Mendocino County. I'm Michelle Hutchins, County Superintendent of Schools. In today's edition of Inside Education, I'll interview California Poets in the Schools Area Coordinator Blake Moore about what inviting poets into our schools supports. Ms. Moore will share with us a collection of student poems read by the students themselves. Poets in the Schools is one of five countywide enrichment programs that Mendocino County Office of Education coordinates and oversees. These academic events are designed to support, encourage, recognize, and promote student learning. Founded in 1964, Poets in the Schools is one of the largest literary arts program in the nation. So Ms. Moore, would you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you came into poetry and why you decided to work with Poets in the Schools program here in Mendocino County? Well, I would say first off, uh, I've been a poet since I was born, right? I, I'm an expresser and I started writing poetry one time when I was in my, like, I should say I started publishing poetry when I was in my early, early 20s and I had a boyfriend who told me, God, you're always communicating. Would you just get a journal? <laughs> I did. And I discovered, oh my gosh, I'm a poet. And then it all kind of came through from there. So I think that's a funny start of a, of a career as a poet. And obviously as poets, you don't really have a career. It's more of a calling. And teaching locally started happening because I got pulled in by the person who was my job name was Scott Meltzner and he was leaving the area and he said you are the perfect person for this I was doing some readings or different things and he literally recruited me from and I have been doing it ever since and I think I started teaching poetry in the classrooms in 2001 and that was the beginning and I would say that as a poet my and as an artist our kind of cultural social spiritual imperative is to give back to the generations to come you know, we, poetry is not necessarily always fun. Sometimes we're the voice that nobody else wants to listen to. And, and also we're the voice of the difficult things or the emotions in these places, you know, weddings and funerals, poetry is, is often shared. And I think that's what my job really is emotional literacy through the expression, through writing. And I think it's a very healing practice. Why should poetry be taught in schools? Why shouldn't it be? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I would say that, huh, because we do not have many places to express ourselves creatively and where there's really no rules. I always tell students that the nice thing about poetry is you don't need to capitalize or punctuate or you can have a run-on sentence or a fragment or you don't have to follow all the strict grammatical rules. You just get your ideas out and on paper. And there's something so transformative about seeing your own thoughts reflected back to you. It truly is, is I think of it as a, a, a way for self-knowledge a way to bring healing into one's life and a way to start to manifest both um, change and life path. And I find that I try to do lessons that will at least get students thinking about what their inner terrain looks like to them. And there's no right or wrong answer. So that I call it sometimes the, bl the blank page syndrome. It's really hard sometimes for kids because they're so used to giving the answer that they think the teacher wants to hear. And so in this situation, there's really not an answer. 
And I think that's very exciting. And I get to benefit from these incredible bits of expression. And it's also manageable. You know, it's not like I'm asking you to write a, a 10 page essay. It's just a short poem. And sometimes they say, how many lines? Make it at least eight lines. And sometimes I'll get 35 lines. Sometimes it'll be five. But for the most part, those lines express something from inside that's very original. What does school poetry mean? I mean, usually it depends on, I would say that it depends on what the teacher wants. I, I One of the things as a poet in the school, I like to work with classroom teachers just to fit into the curriculum that they're offering. And so maybe they're studying you know, Emily Dickinson, and we're going to write a poem using her style and maybe not even her style at all, but the kind of uh, the way she looks at the world. And it's kind of an opportunity to see things from a lens that is extraordinarily ordinary. What would you say a poet does? So if you were to talk to a class of students to explain what a poet does for work, how would you explain that? Well, I would say that a, a poet writes and a poet reads. So those are two components and a poet expresses. And I think the most important one and also a poet observes, right? So the idea is watching the world and then the poems just come through that. That's one of the, I like teaching poetry outdoors in nature because you can sit down under a tree or by the beach or over a cliff, wherever you sit, something's gonna happen around you. It might be a bird, it might be a bug, it might be the way the wind, it might be the sun. There's natural elements happening. And I think that our existence within this natural landscape that we call planet Earth, it, it evokes emotions, it ev evokes ideas, it, it brings up memories because all of our senses are so tied in to our past and our, our, our present and our future. So I think the concept of writing is about slowing ourselves down grounding with the earth and our bodies and to me the earth is just ourselves in that sense and seeing what's in there it's kind of a form you know a, a non non-denominational reality version of meditation you know it doesn't have to, to mean anything but it is a quieting inside so whatever's going on inside you can come forward let's listen to a few poems this poem is by Jimena from Anderson Valley I like to observe from either above or below, a time before and at the same time after, an era of noiseless laughter, beside a cold and morphous companion taking off all the things I've ever said while overlooking all I've been. The day that leads to an eternal rest is not the day I die nor a night of death, but I know when that day comes it will all be for the best. When a thought pounds in with no end, the burning words that I could have said, I know it is all in my head, and by staying quiet, I ensure there will be nothing to mend. I know it is all in my head, the pain and pleasure, and by absolutely no measure am I significant. It is all in my head are the pacifier words that keep my conscience calm, my worries small. I am insignificant. I am nothing at all. This next poem is by a student named Douglas. Uh, the poem is Kindness. Everyone Has Kindness by Douglas. Dear Kindness, If I could corner you in a bright blue room, I would ask you, 
Thank you for being with me all my life. Because I wouldn't be doing so well without you. If you were a landscape, you would be a flowery land. You would have golden hair. And dark green eyes. And a beige face. You would sound like heaven. You would taste like the sweetest strawberries ever. You would smell like freshly baked cookies. You would feel like the softest blanket on the planet. The End Created by Douglas Downhorn Helped by AdobeSpark.com Jimena is from Anderson Valley, and Douglas uh-huh. is from Marina Elementary. You've put together a little collection of poems for us today. Yes, I have. These poems were recorded when? All of these poems were written last year during the 2020-21 school year. And I, as kind of an extra credit for students, and because I too have a show on KZWX, and I also have a show in Wallala on KGUA, and I really feel like our youth voices were not being heard enough because we were all segregated and kept at, you know, at home and our kids weren't interacting. And so we didn't really get a chance to you know, run into your favorite little at the grocery store or the post office and hear what's going on in their lives. So this was a way to bring those voices out to the whole county so we can hear what our youth have to say about what they're going through. So all of these were, were done extra credit and all these poems they sent to me from recordings from their phone. How would you, and when you, when you work with, with English teachers or with other teachers from other subjects, how would you recommend they use poetry in their classroom? Oh, I see. Um, well, I mean, I think that poetry is, it's a great way of, of pair. Maybe, maybe I could give you an example of a kind of a lesson that I like doing. And this brings up poetry because I think it's such a wide question that makes it difficult to answer, uh, I, I, to even try to define it. It's very difficult. Poetry is a sparse form of expression. And one of the things that we see a lot, especially with you know, a lot of the writing when people are, when, when, when youth are young, when they're first learning how to write and developing the ability, ability to express themselves through pen and paper, or typewriter and or you know keyboard and, and computer, we get this very wordy, a lot of explanation and becauses and prepositional clauses. It just starts to kind of go on and on and on and on. And I think with poetry, the the, the goal is to strip that down to its bare essence. I have this one lesson I love to do. It's 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 kind of known as a chain poem. I'm not really sure why it's called that. But you start, I'll start the classroom with a, a, let everyone do a free write. Let's say you're going to do a free write for eight minutes. And so they all write whatever they want, you know, and if they can't come up with a topic, I always suggest a topic and just write. And, and then after that, I tell them, okay, go through that and circle your favorite 24 words or circle the most important 24 words. And then, then write those down in whatever order you want. And then do the same thing. And, and. I would actually, rather than circle, I would just say cross out the words that don't matter, and then that just becomes the next poem. And then you cross out those next ones, and you you know you would underline the others. And then eventually, what you end up with is one paragraph. Then you get twenty four words, and then you get twelve words, and you get six words, and you get three words, and you get one word. And they can see how that one paragraph turned into this pared down version 
of a thing. Even that one word, that's the only word that they had left. So this whole paragraph, that's the word that was kind of in the middle of it all. And I think that that kind of ability to to critically look at what you're saying and and strip it down to what the essence of the thing is, I think is really helpful in all aspects of our life because we tend to it's it's life is moving so fast. There's so much going on. There's so much to sift through that this is simple, you know, basic self an editing skill, self editing skill, or just a way to to interpret all the world coming in and slow it down to the point where you can just see the one thing. I think um, that's a way that I've seen teachers use poetry for, you know, if they're reading a, a, a book, they're studying a piece of classic literature, okay, write a poem. We do something called found poems where you take a page of that or a paragraph of that and turn that paragraph into a poem just directly from the book. And they can see the two genres side by side and recognize how one can, can complement and also how one is very much, uh, um, you, have, you, you have a lot less space to kind of in a weird, weird way say a lot more. You're listening to Blake Moore, California Poets in the Schools Area Coordinator. Ms. Moore, let's listen to three more student poems. You have three student poems from Fort Bragg High School. Moving on to Josephine from Fort Bragg High School with a poem on transference. I breathe in all the echoes of silence, resounding and fluttering down, settling deep in my stomach, dusting the lace of her gown. I breathe out teal ribbons of noises, unable to disintegrate. They billow out far past the skyline. Brilliant and loud, they deviate. I breathe in icy cold, frozen shivers, they trickle down notches of spine and numb all the tips of my fingers, undaunted, assuredly mine. I breathe out throes of incandescence, allow seething figures to pulse, stretch their bodies back out, reconfigure, reconciling their lives and divulse. I breathe in the tense feelings of conflict, compacting and folding within, closing off any sign of the outside, living solely as part of my skin, I breathe out all the worries inside me, acknowledge them, then walk away. As the ice thaws, melodies get closer, and anything back there can stay. That was Josephine, Fort Bragg High School, with a poem called Transference. Our next poem is Sinead, from Fort Bragg High School, with a poem called Breathe. The Calling of the Creatures, by Sinead Bermudez. Inhale, in unison with the planet, the soaring giraffes of Africa kissing the warm clouds, that ladybug outside your window, nested in the lush kale, looking up at its friend, the butterfly, who dances freely in the wind. Your dog sprawled on the old mat beside the roaring fire, drifting to sleep. And the overseeing eucalyptus tree, with its fragrance meandering towards your idle nose, you wait for the simultaneous pause, and relief hits when you hear the beings of the planet inhale, breathing in the trash that a passerby pushes in the bushes, breathing out the glistening lemon tree damp from the morning mist. Breathe in your limp eyelids, stinging from the computer screen. Breathe out that faint scent of jasmine 
sifting through the crack in the wall. See the attentive cat shift its weight, gliding into the safety of the cherry tree, breathing in at the side of the farm across the creek, a pig so weak puffing out its final squeak as the blade winds up to put it to sleep with a single cherry blossom caressing its cheek. Feel the blood circulating your body as the salmon navigate through rivers. Head to toes, toes to head. Feel the pounding and lie in your bed. Wake up, wake up, you slip and fall, timbering to the ground, hearing them call. The call of the endless stream of ants trickling across your floor. Recognize the crumb that is your soul, being carried by the creatures of the world. And thank them. Thank the trees, the bees, the keys that you shove in the ignition, awakening your body like a gush of cold ocean spray. Once more, urging it to breathe in the avalanche of water, and breathe out as the tide pulls you away. That was a poem from Sinead from Fort Bragg High School. This next poem is from a student named McKenna, also from Fort Bragg High School. Growing up, getting washed in a plastic bucket felt tragic. Sleeping without insulated walls felt unfair. But when you finally leave for the city, the trees become skyscrapers. The gardens become an old man's front yard. And sometimes you just want to feel the earth, but you can't. It's buried deep. Digging with a shovel will get you nowhere. So you lay down and remember what once was. And when you walk down the street, people beg for spare change. The city is a wild jungle. People are on their own. They only care about themselves. And suddenly, you miss your plastic bucket. McKenna from Fort Bragg High School. Ms. Moore, who do you think is the greatest poet in history? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, I would say the poet that made me want to start writing poetry, I can say that, is the poet known as by Rumi. I uh, discovered his poetry at some point before I started actually writing and he's a 13th century uh, Sufi mystic poet. And he was able, from my understanding in the, you know, reading so much, there's history and lore surrounding him, but he actually didn't write down his own words. He would dance them. He was a Sufi. And so he would spin and dervish and speak and his students would write down what he said. And whether that is true or not, he's been translated widely into English. And I think it was probably a, I'm not maybe a Coleman Barks. I forget whose first translation I found. Maybe it was Andrew Harvey. But I was so mesmerized by the simplicity of language and the ability to express such profound ideas with nothing, just pared down. I've never really been as, I, I tend to be more interested in, say, a Pablo Neruda or some of the, the Chilean or the... Um, the kind of the, the Sufi mystic school or some of the more romantic uh, languages versus some of the harder um, 
I mean, not to say that I, I love William Blake's poetry or I uh, very much appreciate some of the, you know, Wilhelm or, or Rilke. There's a, but I think that some of them, and Emily Dickinson and, and um, some of the contemporaries, I think I have a wonderful book that I call the Outlaw Bible of American Poets. And I, I've always been into kind of outsider poetry. So a lot of the poets that I resonate with the most are living poets and my friends. I'm in a, I'm in an amazing international poetry community and we share poems with each other and attend each other's readings. And, and now with zoom with a lot of the readings, it's been amazing. Um, so there are so many amazing unsung po poets out in the world that it'd be great if we could hear everybody's voices and we, know of um just a few but if anyone wants to check out Rumi's poetry it's pretty profound what do children gain from reading other people's poetry well I mean I think that it, especially when let's say I'm bringing in a lesson to the classroom I want to bring examples where they can see how that lesson was manifest so, and I like to bring examples that I wrote and other students wrote, and usually all, uh, oftentimes a lesson that I might create might be inspired by a quote unquote famous poet or a well-lettered poet that then becomes the, the, the foundation for a lesson that gets created. So I think that they, you know, both can experience, and, and it's really interesting. I did a, a project last year working with uh, and Andy Wellspring, who was at Mendocino High School, and he was, it was his world history class. And he want, he was, they were teaching the enlightenment and he wanted to do work around that. And so it was a really interesting way because a lot of the poets voices came from the point of view of then. And so it was, it was, it was wonderful. It, it, it kind of, it put, and I, and I brought poems from those times that then they saw, and then they used that, they kind of modeled after that voice and brought their own voices in. And it was, it was interestingly contemporary because their own interpretation of what, let's say, a woman's life was like then is very different than what it really was because they're, they're through the lens of today. You are listening to Inside Education. My name is Michelle Hutchins, County Superintendent of Schools. I'm interviewing Blake Moore, California Poets in the Schools Area Coordinator. Poets in the Schools is a countywide student event coordinated by Mendocino County Office of Education. Blake, we're going to listen to a few more student poems. We're going to uh, pull out one from Ukiah High School, from Mendocino High School, and from Manchester, um, grade four. This next poem is by a student named Guinevere from Ukiah High School. The poem is called Becoming Bear. Becoming Bear. I breathe in toxins and exhale gray. I breathe in happiness and somehow exhale anger. Insecurities play checkers with my confidence and prove confidence is not as strong as she seems. She is a weeping willow and a fern. I breathe in toxins and exhale gray. I breathe in strength and somehow exhale weakness. My feelings play chess with facts and even though confidence shared her shade with feelings, insecurities and facts held pruning shears. In one snip, they prove their strength to those who never questioned it. I breathe in toxins and exhale gray. I breathe in with discomfort and somehow exhale with comfort. Willow's shy truth is that she never challenged the others, not to a game of chess or checkers. 
Her branches never grew in the shape of no, and her trunk only supported those willing to accept her. I breathe in toxins and exhale gray. I breathe in a compliment, and somehow I breathe out a response that prunes another branch. Soon I will be bare. That was Guinevere from Ukiah High School, Becoming Bare. Next is Ethan from Mendocino High School on bacon pancakes. My name is Ethan Foster, and I will be reading my poem, Bacon Pancakes. We sit here twiddling our thumbs as the world around us goes. We sit here dreaming and hoping and yearning for more. Yet all this wanting and planting of seeds of ideas grow. We create a life, a goal, the reality we want, more. We spend our life looking for answers to life. <laughs> With this ideology, we have to find why we are. What put me here and why? What's my purpose to this vast abyss? We are not our arms or hair or our hearts or even our words. I am but a single entity, a single consciousness experiencing itself. We know of no other high intelligent life forms. We are a bundled group of carbon atoms floating around in space of no rules or control. Everything is generated at random, or so we believe. If we are just small organisms on a tiny planet in a tiny galaxy of unfathomable expansion, why is it so important to find who we are? By human nature, we are curious creatures. We have the urge to expand our knowledge and manifest our desires. Coming of age is not a transfer to adulthood, no. It is a greater understanding an open door to more mysteries. The immersion of self-awareness in a life we know nothing. We shoot for the stars not to achieve great things, but because we can't bear not to. Thank you. Ethan from Mendocino High School. Our next poem is Lila from Manchester High School. She was grade four. She's reading a poem called Breathe. I'm Lila Winton in Manchester School, fifth grade, and I'll be reading my poem, Upbeat Tunes. I breathe in the murky brown ocean. I breathe out a clean, vibrant sea. I breathe in a forest made of fire. I breathe out a field of green growth. I breathe in a guitar with broken strings. I breathe out an upbeat tune. I breathe in a tethered dog. I, and I breathe out a litter of happy puppies. I breathe in the COVID-infested air. I breathe out a city of healthy friends. I breathe in a heated argument. I breathe out a loving family. I breathe in a kid in front of the screen all day. I breathe out a kid laughing joyfully on the sandy beach. I breathe in the blood-red rage of people. I breathe out the soft blue glow of peach. Thank you. That was Lila, grade four when it was written, grade five now, I believe, when it was read. Ms. Moore, what are the challenges in teaching poetry? Oh, I mean, I think I mentioned it already. What I call the blank page syndrome is always kind of its own dance to try to, to, to work with. And that feeling of, I think there's this thing about, oh, my God, I hate poetry. Because I think a lot of times you know, dead poetry is, is in languages that, that they don't necessarily understand, you know, they're oftentimes it's, 
it's old fashioned English and it's, it's, it, it, they just can't find their way in. So that's why I always try to bring, you know, contemporary poets, poets of color, poets whose lives might be a little bit different, kind of expressing an edge. I remember back in, God, I want to say the mid 2000s when I first brought some, I think it was Common, he was a rat, he was a hip, a hip hop guy that the kids were very into. And I brought one of his lyrics, you know, very positive hip hop and brought that in. And I saw how in the high school, how they were very connected. They went from this is stupid to no, guess what? This is music. This is what you love. Poetry and music are very connected. And I think when they start seeing that lyrical quality, they get over the distaste for it. And the other thing I find that that's one of the, I, I'm really lucky, especially in Point Arena area, because I get to work in the schools here. Some students I have, let's say at Manchester from the time they're in kindergarten until they're in eighth grade. And that's a real blessing because these kids, got, to them, poetry is easy. When I see them in the high school, they're like, oh, whatever, I'll write a poem. Because they've been doing it. They recognize, oh, this is going to be easy. Oh, this is fun. And I think when you're not exposed to it as much, it's less fun because it seems daunting. Like, I got to talk about what I'm feeling. This is no, this, I don't want to do that. So, um, yeah, I do my best to try to bring it into something really relevant in their lives. And if I get the chance to be working with students over the whole scope of their young educational career, it's really, I feel very, very lucky when I get to do that. And I've had students that have become writers and, you know, would, would say on, on, on paper and in life far surpassed any accolade I've ever had. And I just think that that means a lot to me. I, I feel really good when I see a student taking the baton and continuing to, to move on with it. Well, let's listen to three more student poems. We have three more from Manchester School. Next up is Max from Manchester School, grade four. Also a poem named Breathe. Trees Breathe Too by Max Pointerina. I breathe in a sad kid. I breathe out a happy kid. I breathe in loneliness. I breathe out friendship. I breathe in factories polluting the air and ocean. I breathe out the fresh smell of ocean air. I breathe in rudeness. <clears throat> I breathe out kindness. I breathe in animal cruelty. I breathe out a litter of happy puppies. I breathe in people cutting down big trees. I breathe out smelling the sweet air big trees make. That was Max, grade four, Manchester. Now let's move to Estrella, also from Manchester School, grade eight, with a poem called You Give. You give me your anger, I give you my love. I breathe in contamination that hurts my nature. I breathe out the beautiful, clean, and happy nature. I breathe in sadness of the child who comes and sits next to me, crying his sadness. I breathe out the happiness of the child who came happy to play around me. I breathe in the fear of the child when he is scared of the modern things of the world. I breathe out the strength of the child who climbs my tree to find his trust. I breathe in the disappointment of the child 
when he does not find the love of the parents. I breathe out the joy of the child when he came to give me a big hug of innocence. I breathe in the range of the man who comes and take out his anger by destroying my branches. I breathe out the work of the man when he helps me clean my beauty. I breathe in the silence of the man by not being heard. I breathe out the happiness of the man by opening his emotions with me. I breathe in the damage of the man when he puts chemicals that hurt me. I breathe out the participation of the man to help me with my food that will make me strong, green, and great. I breathe in the depression of the old man when he feels alone and destroyed. I breathe out the company of the old man when he sits under my shadow to find my love. I breathe in the rejection of the old man when he feels angry when he does not find love by his side. I breathe out the love that I have in my big heart to give comfort. I breathe in the old man cries when he sees my dry and burnt tree. I breathe out to always be great, fresh, and to love everyone like brothers and sisters. I am the tree who breathes in and out. Those were the words of Estrella, Manchester, grade 8th grader with a poem called You Give. Now we're moving to Joaquin, a Manchester school as well, grade eight. Um, here's Joaquin's poem called Happiness. Breathe in small mistakes I make every day. Breathe out happiness. Breathe in bullying inflicted into others. Breathe out positive self-talk. Breathe in criminals whose heart is darker than the blackest black. Breathe out peaceful protests. Breathe in mental illness, which inflict, which infect today's elders. Breathe out bravery. Breathe in racism, misogyny, homophobia, and transphobia. Breathe out awareness. Breathe in murder of people who will never see their families again. Breathe out safety. Breathe in deadly disease that creates civil wars. Breathe out the truth. Breathe in depression that pollute young minds. Breathe out support. Breathe in the death of loved ones. Breathe out happiness. Those are the words of Joaquin, 8th grade, Manchester School. You are listening to Inside Education. My name is Michelle Hutchins, County Superintendent of Schools. I'm interviewing Blake Moore, California Poets in the Schools Area Coordinator. Poets in the Schools is a countywide student event coordinated by Mendocino County Office of Education. What do, what do you think are the most essential aspects of poetry that teachers should ensure young students are taught and made aware of? I think that it's to me the most important part of poetry is the the freedom to express yourself and to understand what's going on inside your own head, your own experience, and to learn to observe 
and be able to translate that observation in an outward fashion, which would be writing. I have a lot of students that will come to me and say, you know, I still write poetry. I don't share it with anyone, but I write poetry and it really makes me feel good. And I think that poetry is a very, very private pursuit. And some of us take it public, you know, and other people don't. But I think that it's a very, um, it just lends itself to a kind of a liberation, a kind of a freedom that I find it makes it whatever. A lot of times we have learned as human beings to stuff our thoughts, our feelings, our ideas, and don't say them out loud or they're not, it's not okay. And I think that being able to write down whatever it is is going on inside you in it. And even if you never, ever share it, it's very um, transformative and dare I say therapeutic, you know, and, and therapeutic isn't about therapy or, or, or some other thing. It's, a, it's kind of bigger. It's about finding your place in the world and being able to orient in time and space in a way that makes you feel safe. And I think that writing is a, a gateway toward self-expression and toward being literally comfortable in your own skin. What do you think is the greatest misconception about poetry and how can educators help to dismantle these misconceptions? I would say by sharing poetry and even, you know, a great, one of the, a great example is, is, is Michael Rydell, who's at Ukiah High School. He's got a, a elective creative writing class that over the years has, we've been producing a, a book, an anthology of poetry and, and writing that's, upwards to 300 pages and each student gets, you know, maybe 10 pages in the book. And if you got 33, 34 students, you know, you're there. And these kids love writing. They love expression. And he used to bring in a visiting poet once a, once a, you know, he would get, cause he's a poet and he's, he would bring different voices in. Hey, come read, read just come and do a poetry reading for my students. Just let them see what a poet looks like whenever and I was also the poet teacher so I got to teach as well but I would always do a poetry reading and it was amazing because they wanted to and then there'd be a Q&A after each poem and I think that offering the opportunity to just bring one poem in even if it's one poem a week that you resonate with that means something to you that you actually care about and then have them inspire your students to bring a poem in can you go find one and you bring one in and then you just create this dialogue around a kind of expression that I think is really, uh, I know that as a poet, I used to have people, I'd say, I want to share a poem. And you could kind of hear everyone groan and move away from you. Like, oh God, she's going to read a poem again. And, and I've been doing it long enough and people know me as a poet. And now I say, I'm going to do a po po poet. And they're like, oh, come here, you guys, let's go to say a poem. And I think that that kind of love for the word and love for the expression is um, it's, it's a worthy goal. And I think teachers can bring some of that in, in, in a living fashion, not necessarily in something that's only looking at what the past was. I'm interviewing Blake Moore, who is the California Poets in the Schools Area Coordinator for Mendocino County Office of Ed. Tell us what words of wisdom or advice you would offer high school English teachers attempting to teach poetry, creative writing, when they themselves admit to not writing prose or poetry. Right. And that's that what I just said about 
bringing in things that inspire you. You don't have to write to teach. Uh, and, and then of course, inviting, if you want to bring some of that to, you know, knock on one of your poet friends doors or um, invite somebody to, to even do a, a one poem and then help the students understand what that poem is. That's another thing that's really helpful where you literally have the person nowadays on the on the internet you can hear a poet reading their poem and then right after the poem's over telling you exactly why they wrote that poem that kind of thing kind of makes it come alive in ways i think that is helpful and less daunting than okay now i got to become a great poet to teach poetry that's just i don't think that that's true it helps if you do you know that's what poets in the schools is is kind of what our specialty is is we bring someone who genuinely is a poet who's published who calls himself a poet who self-identifies as a poet into your classroom I think is really helpful because the students get to see what a poet looks like and they're we're not that different <laughs> I mean I do drive a poetry car so my car has poems on it so that's been and I've been driving a poetry car since 1995 I'm on my third rendition of the poetry car and uh, so that's kind of fun it definitely, especially with the younger kids, you know, they, they love seeing that car. And then they, they get to read the poems on the car and that kind of idea that poems are everywhere. Are there exercises or lessons that you have found to be successful with students who've had little exposure to poetry or with students who've had bad experience with poetry in the past? And if so, please do share. You know, one thing that I have done with a really resistant class is um, they're called, they, they're known in the kind of the, the French uh, kind of Renaissance time of, of or Impressionist kind of the, the thought of as the, it's called an exquisite corpse. And the way that you do it as a poet, you write two lines you write the first line and then you fold and you write the second line and then you fold the paper so that, and then you pass it to the next person and they only see the line, the last line. And then they write two lines and then they just fold it over and then you do that. And I've done that in classrooms where everyone will start one. And then at the end, if there's say there's 20 students in the class, we'll end up with 20 poems. And it's a really interesting way for them to, and it takes all these crazy twists and turns. And, you know, every once in a while, you can tell there's a group of maybe boys of a certain age. It, it starts to go downhill. And so we'll try to move them around and, you know, encourage the, the expression, not go, you know, right to some of the places that young adolescents want to. And it's always super impressive. And to the point where they realize that poems to make sense don't necessarily have to make sense. So I think that's the, one of the things that is, is really important. And, and I also do that as examples with music. A lot of times kids, you know, I know there are certain songs that I, I feel and I might listen to the lyrics a hundred times and still not really know what it is that this, this singer is talking about. But the feeling I get is my own feeling. And, and that, that kind of a freedom in poetry, I think, is is really liberating when they recognize that it's okay not to make sense. It's okay to be oblique. It's okay to refer to things and then skip and go someplace else. As long as you know what you're saying and you're true to your own expression inside and you're not trying to, um, you know, that's that, it's, that, it's the discovery of the authentic voice inside. 
and bringing that forward. And there's no right or wrong there. Let's listen to a few more student poems. We're going to listen to two poems from Manchester, both eighth graders last year. This is Baylen and Giselle. These are the words of Baylen, Manchester grade, school grade eight, with a poem called Over. Over. I breathe in restless nights. I breathe out cozy blankets. Blurred vision as I try to stay awake. Sleep threatening to overtake. I breathe in stressful days. I breathe out playtime with my dog. Streaks of black and white as my dog races by. I breathe in crying sessions. I breathe out rainy weather. Spicy noodles and coffee to soothe my soul. I breathe in loneliness. I breathe out happy memories. Wishing to reunite with friends. I breathe in traumatic events. I breathe out calming music. Blending into the background, trying to let my worries evaporate. That was Baylen, Manchester School, grade 8. Now we're going to move to Giselle, Manchester School, grade 8, with a poem called Changing Roads. Challenging roads always come with beautiful destinations. I breathe in anger. Challenging roads always come with beautiful destinations. I breathe in anger, sadness, and depression. I breathe out love, laughter, and excitement. I breathe in injuries from sports. I breathe out acceptance and toughness. I breathe in my dog that was killed four months ago. I breathe out love for the ones I love. I breathe in the bad, foggy, stormy wind. I breathe out warm, sunny walks with my family. I breathe in fear from getting cut with an axe. I breathe out joy, peacefulness, and smiles. I breathe in embarrassment, failure, and cold-hearted people. I breathe out creativity and hope. I breathe in negative people who are disrespectful, not worth my time, who like to judge others. I breathe out people who are positive. I breathe in people who are impolite and hate me. I breathe out good things that happen when I distance myself from the negative. I breathe in the rain that hits the windshield of my car when we go on road trips. I breathe out seeing my family with their arms out waiting for me to hug them. I breathe in hunger. I breathe out my favorite food, homemade pizza, pasta, tamales, and pozole. That was Giselle with Challenging Roads. You are listening to Inside Education. My name is Michelle Hutchins, and I'm your county superintendent of schools. Today, I'm interviewing Blake Moore, California Poets in the Schools area coordinator. Poets in the Schools is a countywide student event coordinated by Mendocino County Office of Education. Ms. Moore, how do you get both students and teachers to enjoy innovative writing and innovations of style and form? I would say by exposure, you know, bringing ideas into the classrooms that, that, that might be different than what they might be exposed to. That's something that is kind of the, it's up to the poet teacher to try to, to find something that's going to engage on those levels. But what's really great, like I said, is a lot of the teachers that I work with, I've established relationships with, and they'll say, well, we're working on this. Let's, let's bring something in along these lines. Or sometimes they'll just say, bring whatever. We need something different. And so then it's up to me. So I do try to keep it buried. And I think as a multimedia artist, I do, I, I try to, you know, sometimes I might do just spoken word and we've done 
the poetry slams until COVID, you know, we had a near 20 year run of, of, of countywide slams. And, and, and we have just found ways to, you know, bring art journals and poetry that way in journals and art forms and broadsides. And we did sidewalk poetry once where we used shock and did a whole section during the French festival with the, some of the students at the charter high school. And so, I mean, I think that there's so many different ways to see poetry reflected back and it doesn't necessarily just have to be, Oh, here's this book of poems. And this is this very small little expression. And, um, so we have other competitions in the county for poets. We have the Mendocino County Poetry Out Loud competition, correct? Uh-huh. uh-huh. The Poetry me- Out Loud. And that's a, a, a national competition that's run through the um, National Endowment of the Arts and the Poetry Foundation. And here in California, it's kind of run through the California Arts Council. And it's statewide we're one of the, we've actually, we're one of the launch counties. So we're an early county who's been involved for a number of years. And we have, um, it, it's done as we we get to send one student from the county to Sacramento for the statewide competition. And we've been in the, the last six, I think we've been in the last six, two times the, 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 like the remaining 10, three times. So we've gotten really close, but this county has yet to, to take the title but we've been up there and um, this year, I think Poetry Out Loud, at least on the, on the state level, they're really hoping it's gonna be live. And it's such an incredible opportunity for our students to go out and, and be again, once again, in a, an environment with all of their peers from across the state. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I get, I've always gotten to go and be part of it as well. And uh, it's a, it's just incredible students from all around the, the state. But basically what they're doing is they're memorizing. They have to memorize two, three poems on the state level out of this kind of canon of, of translated into English, at least literature. And so the students are memorizing the poems of other poets and then delivering them. And our students competed last year? Yes. We've competed every year since 2008, I think. Good. No, that's not true. 2000. I don't know, probably 2000. I, I can't remember. My, I, I, we've been doing it since the second year that, po- that Poetry Out Loud started. So the winner last year was a student from the Developing Virtues School. Uh-huh. Amy, I believe the next poem we have is written by her. It might be, yes. And this was written actually as part of Poetry Out Loud California Arts Council was also doing a poetry uh, a, a poetry reading where the Poetry Out Loud competitors got a chance to write their own poems and if they wanted to, to share them. And this is the poem that she wrote that she wanted to share with the group. A poem called The Other Half. The Other Half. When God said, let there be light, He also created darkness. When yin and yang rose out of the chaos, they remained in harmony. One half bright as the moon, the other half dark as the night. But we, we put labels on things, said that white was pure, was beautiful, was good said that black was defiled, was ugly, 
was bad. Who said? Who dared to make this distinction? That there was white and there was black, that there was good and there was bad, that there was one and there was the other, in a world of blurry, bleary gray. In a world that is always an eye for an eye, but not always a truth for a truth. Who says? Harmony, self-harmony. Not harm on you, harm on we. Because the yin and the yang can never be separated, within or without. Because the dark side of the moon and the brightest, fullest side we see are the same, just fifteen days apart. Because the color of my skin and the color of your skin. And the color of their skin are the same. Illusions of light. One half dark as the moon, the other half bright as the night. Distinctly different. But why not form one circle? Not of light, and not of dark. Not of halves and not of wholes, where there is no such thing as the other half. That was Amy from Developing Virtues School. Coming up next is Claire Livingston. Claire is an Anderson Valley High School student. She was grade eleven when this was read and written, and the poem is called "I Hope I Wish." I hope I wish. There is a reason for it. Everything has a purpose is a phrase that usually irritates me, used as an excuse or a dismissal of someone's plead for help. I wish desperately that it has a purpose now, though. Maybe the universe has had enough of us. It is the parent tired of a toddler. We have been drawing on our walls, refusing to share. Assuming our beloved toys will always be ours, not going to bed, not eating our food, hurting ourselves because we have become consumed by our blissful emotions, so we get a scare because nothing gentle or reasonable seems to work. COVID, poverty, wildfires, hurricanes, homeless, jobless, racism, corruption. The higher power of us has been delivering a series of one-two punches to knock the humanity back into us. I hope. I wish. Claire, Anderson Valley, grade eleven. Okay, um, you can actually listen to the two winners of the po of the competition from Mendocino County Poetry Out Loud last year. Um, Amy Louie and Candace Nelson, uh, both of their poems are featured on the Mendocino County Office of Education's website, which is www.mcoe.us. You got <laughs> some final words you want to share? Oh, I would just say that, yes, write poetry. You know, it's we're going into winter. It's such a perfect time to sit by the fire and just get quiet and watch the rain out the window and listen to your thoughts. 
So we're going to end our show today with one more student poem. This poem was written by a student, Adelaide. Where did Adelaide go to school? She's in Manchester. Now she recorded this today, didn't she? Or this week? She recorded it. Yeah, she, she, this is a poem she wrote last year, but I realized I didn't have it recorded. So I reached out and asked her if she would record it. So this is in her ninth grade voice. Ninth grade voice. <laughs> but eighth grade. grade poem. Perfect. All right. Well, this is Adelaide with a poem called Forgive. Forgive by Adelaide Montanino. When you sit angry, overwhelmed, sad, or stressed, ready to kick, spit, or throw a fit, remember your grace. Peel back the grime, give yourself space, give yourself time to see the silver lining. Make a cup of tea, grab a book, breathing in your blessings. When you sit, born anew, writing your to-do, add another, forgive. Well, that concludes our show today. I would like to thank our guests, my guest, Blake Moore, and all the students who submitted poems. This is Michelle Hutchins, your county superintendent of schools. It gives me great pleasure to continue this show with Inside Education at our new time at 7 p.m. Please do tune in next month in December. We're going to be talking about women in STEM education. November is one of my favorite months. Not only are there beautiful fall colors, but it is also the month we really pay attention and focus on gratitude. We have so much to be grateful for. 20 months of this pandemic has been very challenging. So many people have stepped up. Our students and teachers, all educators, all of the various departments that have come together, the Department of Behavioral Health, Department of Public Health, everybody, and especially our MCOE employees who have gone above and beyond to make sure that we're able to continue with the instruction during the crazy time of COVID-19. I hope you all enjoy the holidays and that you spend time together, that you enjoy yourselves, that you eat some delicious food and be grateful for all of the wonderful things that we have. I thank all of you for listening to Inside Education and wish you the best of Thanksgivings. Have a great night. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.